Mainland Podcast is back, everyone, after a one-week hiatus. Sorry about that. I'm Michael Citro, the managing editor of TheMainland.com, the, uh, the very reason for this podcast's existence. I'm joined this week by uh, Daniel McGann and Andrew Harrison, two of our top writers. Guys, how you doing tonight? Doing good. I'm uh, looking forward to this Friday and getting three points. Yeah, we, we need three points and we have to get the season started. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. Um, so, obviously didn't mean to take last week off. We, uh, I, I actually got my gallbladder removed last Monday. And um, surprisingly enough, I had, after abdominal surgery on Monday, I still wasn't feeling that great on Wednesday. Um, so, <laughs> surprisingly. <laughs> So plus, I, there was there was some pain medication, narcotics involved, and you know that kind of thing. So uh, we didn't have one last week. So we're going to go back to opening night or opening day, since it was an afternoon game against Ray All Salt Lake. We'll start uh, breaking that down. I, I just want to get you know you guys' thoughts on a team that you know Orlando City looked like they were in good shape. They were they were early you know had early possession, went a man up, and then gave up a penalty. <laughs> Uh, gave up a second goal in the second half, and it just looked like uh, we're you know you're going to get an embarrassing home loss on opening day, and then all of a sudden, uh, in the span of less than 90 seconds of the last two minutes of stoppage time, uh, you know, a couple of moments of magic and rescues a point uh, could have probably been a little better with uh, without the offside call. So, um, Andrew, we'll start with you. What were your overall thoughts on, on the opening day match? mixed how about that i think is the best way to put it it was just you know the atmosphere it was all there they had done such a great job and then i think we were just really let down about the product that took the field it just didn't mm-hmm. seem like a team that was ready for competitive action and they still looked like even though they'd had so many preseason games they were still in preseason mode and i think that really showed with some of the tackles especially the one that gave away the penalty but also just the way mm-hmm. that players like Saren went about the game. You know, they didn't think about the repercussions about certain things. And mm-hmm. that really showed that one. They always thought, you know what, we'll get another do-over. Whereas, in fact, it was really competitive action. And I think the, 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 the winners were really, you know, those last 90 seconds where they actually realized that, oh, shit, this, sorry, this is for real. <laughs> uh, We've we got to do something to pull this out of the bag. Otherwise, we're going to have 60,000 people who hate us for, you know, next five hours um, <laughs> yeah the podcast is for real too but it's okay you can use that word because that's probably what, exactly what they were thinking um yeah <laughs> and of course you're 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 right about darwin seren it's uh it's unfortunate that he felt like in first half stoppage time he needed to go in uh with with a, a reckless and hard challenge from behind with with no real intent to play the ball and it was crazy he, he it, you know I've seen I've seen the debates online whether it's a red card or not. The, the bottom line is if you're up a man, you don't ever make that. Uh, I mean, you should never make that challenge anyway in that situation. But uh, it's even worse when you're already up a man, and you know the ref is going to be looking to even things up. And um, it was, you know, it sort of took the the wind out of the sails. The second half, uh, Real Salt Lake was able to get numbers behind the ball and sort of try to protect their lead, especially when they got the second goal. And uh, sort of render Orlando City fairly ineffective until the late injection of Adrian Vinter uh, sort of turned the game around uh, from, in my mind, Daniel. How did you see Vinter affecting the game as, as, you know, as greatly as he did? Well, I mean, he, he came in opposite of what Breck Shea was doing on the other side. And uh, I thought Breck had a, a pretty good game the, the, against RSL and... Venter brought the, the type of energy and the feistiness that the team was lacking up until that point. Uh, and he was making the t- right type of runs. He was uh, driving into the uh, attacking third, and uh, that allowed to open up space on the other side for Shea. And, and we saw that happen with the, uh, the first goal. Um, but again, talking to Venter, I mean, it, it looks like that's the type of player he is, is that 25 or 30 minute guy that. Uh, just goes all out, puts a lot of pressure on a defense, and and keeps the ball for Orlando, or at least uh, allows space for Orlando. And he did a good job of that against RSL. It's just a little upsetting that the team uh, had to had to had to have him come in and basically take over to get a two-two draw and a, a, a amazing magical finish that uh, I'm sure uh, encapsulated the crowd for that last ten minutes. But 
unfortunately, up until that point, uh, it was a lackluster performance. Yeah, good crowd too, sixty thousand plus, nearly another sixty-two-five like last year. Um, one of the things about RSL that scared me going in was they have a, a pretty good attacking foursome: uh, Mosisian, um, Martinez, Plata, and um, Morales. All very formidable offensive players. And Orlando City was playing already with a 19-year-old center back in Tommy Redding. Uh, Luke Bowden, without you know a great deal of pace on the left side, was was he was started at left back and Shea pushed forward for that game. Uh, Andrew, what what do you think of the back line's performance in that game? Because I thought they did a pretty good job of limiting chances, aside from uh, you know Ramos uh, getting caught caught ball watching on the second goal and you know giving up the penalty. Really, not a lot of danger throughout the match from RSL. No, I think you know Real Salt Lake didn't create the chances; we gave them to them. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to be too harsh on them. I mean, they were a back line that was really playing a center-back partnership that we hadn't really seen through preseason. So you still got to learn. And I think Heinz was covering a little bit for Redding occasionally. And I don't blame Redding for the way he acted when the ball got lopped over the top. Um, mm-hmm. But Heinz didn't have to go in the way he did, too. He still had the ability to save it. Um, without mm-hmm. giving away a penalty. But I thought they did pretty well. You know, I think we still have to see a lot of maturity from Ramos on his crossing and just his positioning occasionally and his need and drive to get back is sometimes when he's at his most reckless too. So mm-hmm. I want to see him change that. But I thought overall, pretty solid performance. Um, and really, you know, the next game, we were a little bit of a stronger back line. But once again... It was we gave them that opportunity rather than they created it and blew us apart. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, one of the things we wanted to see this year was a healthy Kevin Molina. We've seen that now for a couple games. Um, how do you think that he's been affecting the team up front, uh, Daniel, through the first two matches? Uh, I think he's been affecting them with one too many passes. Uh, unfortunately, right now, it just... Molino, he gets the ball well, he carries it well, I and mean, you can see that he has a type of athleticism, uh, and it looks like he has the mindset, right, to drive into the attacking third, but it looks, seems like he's doing a little bit too much when he gets close to the box, right? Um, mm-hmm. With Kyle Aaron's strength and his improved hold-up play, which we've seen uh, over the first two games, uh, it's surprising to me that you know he's not looking to link up a bit earlier, uh, Molina. Uh, and also, it seems he's a little wary on just letting it loose and, and shooting at goal. Uh, we saw him take a good shot uh, last week, but uh, outside of that, I really don't remember him putting anything else on frame. And it seems like he's getting a lot of touches uh, close to the box because he's 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 that open man right now. But um, he needs to take that next step in the attacking third. He needs to connect those passes uh, and and hopefully you know score his first goal in MLS. That, that hopefully would build his confidence. Yeah, I'd like to see him sting the ball from just outside the box a few times early in the game and get those guys, uh, those defenders, to come out and challenge him so that he has room to do, you know, you know, to be a triple threat. He can take a shot, he can make a pass, he can maybe make a move and, and challenge the defender to get by him. Um, yeah, that's the I issue did, right now, right? I mean, the, yeah, the, I, I think he had one really good shot in each of the first two games. That uh, I think Romano made a nice save on him, uh, and I, I certainly thought that. Um, that the Chicago goalkeeper Lampson made a, a nice diving save on one of his shots. But, uh, uh, yeah, through, through two games, we've seen an active Kevin Molino, but he's, he's lacked that final ball. And that's something that we would like to see from him. Um, guys, let's start with Andrew. Uh, give me your man of the match for the RSL game. I, it's gotta be Vinta. We just looked like a completely different team when he came on. Um, he added that pace and that injection that we just seemed sorely lacking. And I thought he played well with, just off the front, and he really added that pace that we've been missing through the rest of the game. Daniel? Yeah, I have to agree with Andrew. I think uh, Adrian uh, Venter, when he came on, he injected that that type of energy that we were sorely lacking. It opened up the space that we needed, and he found the spaces uh, that Orlando wasn't able to do, even when they were up a man, and uh, he was definitely the man of the match for me. Yeah, and it's unanimous, because I, I had him in, I had grades this, you know, both the first two games. I thought he changed the match uh, he was a difference maker. It looked like a completely different team after he came on just through his hustle and his drive. And, and, you know, he, he stressed the defense. He put a lot of pressure on the defense. And, uh, then again, you know, his run at the end on that lovely ball over the top by Servando Carrasco, uh, 
you know, he he gave them two players running together that was hard to handle, and, and RSL didn't deal with it well. And, and I thought just Venter just found a way to get it done, and he was definitely my man of the match. On that play also, let's not forget about Kyle Aaron's strength there, right? It looked like he was kind of holding off two players to allow Venter to run onto that ball. And, uh, I don't know if that was by purpose or Kyle was trying to play it himself, but uh, I know that happens so quickly, those players. And, you know, it's not you're not necessarily thinking about it. You're just thinking about getting your – uh, your boot on the ball, but um, that, that's a strong player to be holding off two center backs like that to uh, to allow winner to venture to run onto the ball. First MLS assist for Kyle Larry yeah. on that play. Kakar wanted him to get, and he started early. <laughs> yeah, and now he could tell Ricky, "Hey, you're the one with no assist, buddy." <laughs> uh, so let's turn our attention to Chicago game. A very very frustrating game. Up a man for about an hour of the game. Um, you know, Orlando City was, uh, I think we're going to gloss over the, the early goal against RSL that was waved off. But uh, um, we'll move on to Chicago and say that that uh, here's a game where, uh, you know, Orlando City again looked, you know, a little dangerous at times, but not quite that final ball. And then they got hit hard on the counterattack. Um, David Akam just is amazingly, uh, amazingly fast. And it doesn't, you know, I, I've been debating this for a week with the, uh, you know, Orlando city supporters about, you know, blame on the goal. And it's very easy to blame Seb Hines for allowing a comp to get by him. But if you look at how much room he gave a comp, how much space and, and cushion that he had, you're a professional athlete. You have to think you're getting to that ball first. And until you see that speed in motion and, and I get it, they've seen it before last year. But it's still early in the season. You've been mostly playing preseason games and training against your own teammates. You're not used to that kind of speed until you see it on the pitch. And it was early in the game. I thought Seb Hines did a good job from that point on of adding to his cushion and and prepare and being prepared for those long balls to to a calm. But I, I can't I can't put all the blame on on Hines. I thought that maybe Bendik had a chance to come charging out and make himself big and and, and maybe get a piece of that ball. But uh, you know, for me, the one who made that goal is John Goosens of Chicago with just an unbelievable long ball that he put in a spot where it was far enough over the defense and far enough in front of the keeper, which is a really, really hard skill uh, to master. Andrew, how did you see that goal? I, I just thought, you know, you, you can't – when you've got somebody that pacey, you have to play off him a little bit to give you the, the opportunity. But he was always going to blaze right past him. But then also Hines didn't make the challenge that he made the week before which is you know he could have sized them down and he would have been off and put us mm-hmm. back in that position so you can't blame him for making the decision he did i just think you've got to give it to chicago it was a really well played game um and and like you say goosen's really just kind of popped it through and they were always going to play that long ball and really it hurt us so badly that if we get another team like that i fear us getting blown out if we play the same way yeah, it was an interesting. Uh, it was an interesting game. I thought it, Chicago didn't really look dangerous on in their possession. They looked really dangerous when they, you know, had chances to to counter because Kennedy Egbuanenike is also a very fast player, and you know they they have some good attackers. Uh, and I thought that their midfield played very well. I thought Matt Polster played a good game, and. The other th- times they, that they looked a little bit dangerous on some of the crosses because Iguananike is so good in the air. Um, he was able to do things that RSL's players were not, which is get some space uh, between the center backs and, and get solid you know, headers toward goal. It, uh, I didn't think that RSL was able to, to quite match. Now, at, that was only mostly early in the game. Orlando City sort of made adjustments to that and started taking that out of the game. But again, you know, they, they get a man sent off. Um, for the, the flying scissor kick to Breck Shea's man parts. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and then you, and then, you know, you think, okay, there, there's a chance here to get something from this game, especially, you know, the Laren scored early and you thought, you know, he's now he's relaxed. He's into the game. He's probably going to get another one at some point, or maybe somebody else snares one. Um, first game for Nocherino. Daniel, why don't we t- st- talk about Nocherino and his first start and what, you know, what you saw from him. Obviously, uh, we didn't expect a lot from somebody who hadn't played a competitive match since August, but what did he show you? Uh, skill. 
Um, you, you saw that in, in spurts, right? Uh, I think it might have been a little bit difficult for him. I mean, of course, not, not a lot of training, uh, playing, on, playing on turf for, I'm sure, one of the first times. Um, but you saw the skill. You saw the, the level of play. You saw uh, the soccer mind that he has playing at a high level in Serie A for a, a long time now. Um, but he also faded uh, in and out of the match, um, made some you know passes that were questionable. Um, but you know that that comes with being informed. That comes with uh, you know playing with your teammates. Um, but you definitely saw the level of play that he's going to be able to bring, and I think it's going to be a scary proposition for other clubs when you have no Serena and Kaká uh, able to link up together in the midfield and make runs off of each other and uh, and play some nice one twos. So that's going to be exciting, but. Uh, I also want to call back to uh, Bindic for a minute. Um, and I, I've seen a, a pattern uh, over the past two matches, and I think you all remember me saying earlier in the year that our current goalkeeper uh, at the end of the year for Orlando City is not on the roster. Um, and Joe Bindic, uh, in my eyes, has been very hesitant uh, from coming off his line, and it looks like he's lacking the, the bit of confidence that a keeper needs. Uh, and I think you can actually see it in that center back relationship as well. I mean, Seth Hines, when he turned and run to Akam, uh, there's first of all, there's no center back in the league that's going to keep up with Akam at that point, right? And you can mm-hmm. talk to whether or not he was playing uh, a too high of a line, and you saw him drop back later on, said because he knew the type of speed, maybe you should have known that up front. But you also have to have confidence in your goalie that if a ball is played over top like that, that he's coming immediately off his line to come out there mm-hmm. and, and, and make sure that the ball's not going to get anywhere close to uh, to David Akam, or if anything, uh, at least make a play. Uh, and he didn't do that at all. He just hesitated and actually started backing up, up as soon as the ball was played over the top. Uh, that's not the type of aggressiveness that you need if you're going to play a high line uh, from a goalkeeper. And we saw the exact opposite of, uh, from Romando during RSL a few times when uh, when we put the ball over the top, he was quick off his line, right? Yeah, very quick. Yeah. And I know Romano's 5'6", right? Totally different than, mm-hmm. than Bendik is 6'2", <laughs> and you know, outweighs him by 30 or 40 pounds. But uh, that's the type of confidence uh, discrepancy that we see from a Bendik and a Romando. Of course, Romando being one of the better uh, keepers in the league. And uh, Bendik right now, hopefully he can find that confidence. I don't know if it's going to happen in training. And uh, we have a difficult stretch of games coming up, you know, either away or against good opponents. So... Uh, whether he finds it in-game, uh, that may be difficult as well. Yeah, you wonder how much they talked about his positioning uh, in the lead-up to that game. Certainly I expect it to be different uh, the next time they play the Fire or a team like the Fire that, that excels on speedy counters because, um, you know, if he's playing a line like a Manuel Neuer, you know, that, that extra sweeper you got back there, he easily gets to the ball first. Um, it would be very, very difficult for somebody to beat him you know, back if, if they took a shot and tried to chip him from, you know, the, the defensive third. But at that position, so th- Michael, he would have had to have been ch- chipped from, yeah, the defensive third. Like, yeah. as, as a keeper, you, you don't sit in your box whenever the ball is on the complete opposite side of the field and your center back is pushing up a high line, right? That doesn't, mm-hmm. that, that literally, that's soccer 101, right? That doesn't Yeah, I think sense. there's some culpability there. I, 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 I talked to, uh, in fact, I talked to Tommy Redding's dad today, and he said Redding was just basically blown away by how fast, how fast Akam was, and not just how fast he was, but how quickly he gets to top speed. Because a lot of guys are fast, um, not necessarily Akam fast, but but to get to the speed he gets to, his top speed, it only takes him like a step and a half, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's like sprinter speed. And and you know, so even if you think you got the guy covered, or you think you have you know, you, you always think you have that extra split second, especially if you're you, you you're not used to getting beat like that. And I'm sure guys in the in the league around the league are not used to getting beat that badly. I mean, he covered a, a six yard deficit on Hines and got to the ball first. I'm sure Hines thought for sure he would get to that ball first. But, um, you know, whatever happens, happens. You give up one goal. You still should win a game against the Chicago Fire. Up a man. And the fact is that Orlando, especially up a man, yeah. So, and the fact of the matter is Orlando City didn't do that. They weren't able to get to get goals. They weren't able to get uh, a little bit of you know, bad luck, I guess. Uh, Laren hit the post. Ribeiro hit the post. Um, Molino created four chances that nobody could get on the end of and do anything with. And uh, uh, he got us got some free kicks. The service was was kind of bad. Uh, throughout kind of both the first two games, I thought. And, 
why don't we talk a little bit about Breck Shea, Andrew? What have, what have you seen from him through two games? I've seen him almost, I don't want to say out of position because he's got that wing back pace that we have, but he doesn't necessarily have somebody that's available in front of him to pass it off because right now it seems like quite often we're asking Vintern Molino to pinch inside and really mm-hmm. pack the midfield and leave Laren up front by himself. And so really Brex having to do double duty. And I think that's really hurting his game a little bit. Um, and I think we saw that in the RSL game where No Serino kind of tried to hold that left side, but then, you know, he came on for the first 50 minutes of the second half and just started doing whatever the hell he wanted. He was just all over the place. He was given <laughs> free reign. And then you kind of saw that on the other game. And just because Vinter didn't always have the coverage uh, to be able to offer to Breck that I think it hurt. It's hurting his game a little bit and I'd like to see him potentially move up if, if he has the possibility and slot in Bowden, even though I will say Bowden did not have a great game against RSL. So yeah, he didn't, he was kind of poor. So I I don't want to obtonish him too quickly, but I think his, (laughs) he needs to find somebody who's got that ability to save him on the, on the left mid side before we give, Mm. we write him off. Daniel, um, or is it going to be long before we see uh, Kevin Alston if we keep getting performances like we've gotten from uh, Rafael Ramos the first two games? I thought that he's been pretty eh, meh, you know, <laughs> pretty meh. I think that he's been uh, just as hot-headed and petulant as ever at times, and also his crossing has left a lot to be desired. And in that second game against Chicago, he turned the ball over quite a bit. Um, what are your thoughts on Ramos through two games? Yeah, I think Ramos's upside is just almost too dangerous to keep off the, the starting 11 right now. Uh, if you're talking about Austin coming in for him, probably a couple more mat- matches before you see that happen. If Ramos is, uh, if he keeps playing the way he is right now, but exactly, petulant is a good word to describe it. It, it just seems like he loses his mind for sometimes no reason at all. Um, some of the smallest things can set him off, and uh, mm-hmm. In the offseason, we all talk to hopefully seeing him grow uh, as not only a player on the field, uh, but mentally on the field as well. And he talked about yeah. that. He he actually said that that's something he's worked on all the offseason. And the friendly before the start of the season in RSL, I mean, we saw him kicking the ball up against the wall and throwing his arms up and, uh, you know. Pushing and shoving with players. And, yeah, it's it's not been good. I mean, and any call that goes against him, I mean, he you, you fear that he's going to get a yellow card for dissent. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's reaching that point right now. And Austin's a known quantity in this league, and he's a, he's a good player. He might not offer as much moving forward, but I think defensively he might offer a, a bit more than Ramos, Ramos does. He's he's mentally into the game more. You've seen it in, uh, in his past. And like I said, he knows MLS, right, because um, he is a veteran in this league. And, uh, if, if Ramos uh, doesn't pick up his crossing ability because we do like that overlapping style, and if you're just overlapping to to not get the you know someone on the end of the ball, then you're not helping yourself. You're just putting yourself in a defensive hole where somebody else has to fill. Uh, you could probably see Austin uh, come in within the next couple matches. Yeah. Yeah. Get to that. Get to that end line and whip that ball into the box in a in a dangerous manner. That's that's what I want to see from these wingbacks, and um, they have the speed to do it. They haven't always done it. Although Breck did set up the first goal of the season. And, um, you know, Ramos was certainly culpable letting, uh, letting Plata get away from him on that second goal against RSL. So, um, it's been a, it's been a mixed bag from the, from the fullbacks, uh, through two games. So Chicago man of the match, Andrew, let's start with you. I got to say Laren here. I think he just looked dangerous. He was always kind of trying to tear them apart. Um, wasn't his best performance, but he kept that streak going, and he just always looked dangerous. I, I you know, it was a weak crop of guys, um, but I'm going to go Laren. Mm-hmm. Man, Daniel. That, that's that's difficult, right? Man of the match. Uh, I'm going to agree to agree, right? Because he <laughs> did put the ball in the back of the net. Um, really, not, not a lot of guys that stood out uh, in the Chicago match. And when you have 65% of possession, you have over 350 passes in the attacking half, uh, 87% pass a- accuracy, everything leading uh, to the conversation of getting shots on goal and, and, and putting the ball in the back of the net. And we only come up with three more shots in Chicago, who was down a man for over 60 minutes. That, that's upsetting and troubling uh, at the same time. And um, Kyle has really been the only guy that's been consistent since the start of the season for Orlando. Mm-hmm. Again, it's only two matches, right? And we're 
uh, very early in the season. This could change rapidly. Um, but he, he looks like he's playing on a, on a more consistent level than everyone else right now. Yeah, and we're going to be unanimous again. I, I did pick Laren as the best of a, of a pretty mediocre bunch. I thought that nobody played a standout soccer in that match for Orlando City. Uh, but he did manage the goal. He did manage nearly to, to snag a winner at the end. Um, and he did worry the back line. He, he was the most dangerous player for Orlando City throughout the night, I thought. And, and so I got to give it to, to Kyle Laren. Two goals in two games. He's on pace for 34. Uh, and that's even before he goes to New York City, where he's never not scored a hat trick. So, um, so yeah, he should come home uh, this weekend with five goals to his name uh, or more uh, on the season. Uh, speaking of the season, uh, we just started the, the inaugural preseason training camp for the Orlando Pride. Um, new NWSL team. Uh, most of the... Uh, players have reported there's still some of the internationals are coming in uh, later in the week and into next week. I know that um, uh, Alex Morgan and Ashlyn Harris will report tomorrow, which is Thursday. So it's uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be have been this morning. So they will have uh, arrived this morning. But uh, Monica from Brazil is in camp, has had her physical, and uh, we're awaiting Jose Belanger and the uh, Australians, and I know Laura Alloway's flight at least left uh, left uh, Australia two days ago, I think it was, kind of late at night. So I don't know if it's a direct flight. She might have uh, stopped over somewhere, but I know the Australians are on their way as well. So um, first action for the Pride will be against Eastern Florida State College this weekend in par- as part of a doubleheader with Orlando City B. Uh, they'll play the men. And um, so doubleheader in Melbourne and Andrew, I guess I'll start with you. Um, what excites you about this Orlando Pride uh, inaugural season? I think just that it's actually happening. You know, uh, we, they talked about it, and I actually wrote a piece last year, which I said Orlando probably wasn't really ready for women's soccer yet. But um, I, I'm just excited that it's happening, and I think we've managed to get such a good group of women for this team for our first season. And we also have just built a great setup. You know, we've got head coach Tom Samani, international experience and league experience. We've got a great core group of ladies for this team. And I think mm-hmm. that gives us excitement. It gives us hope. Um, and I hope that the Pride aren't the first team in Orlando to win this year, um, <laughs> which uh, could be could be a possibility. Oh, Daniel, um, you know, what, what are you hearing around town are, are, are people in your opinion excited about this women's team or are they still sort of uh, taking a wait and see attitude you know i think they're excited uh for some of the names that are coming in with the pride right i mean ashlyn harris you talk about alex morgan who probably the most marketable uh, uh women in, in the in, you know of sports especially in north america uh in the united states i mean with that type of name uh at the front of your marketing campaign I feel like they can do a really good job up front, uh, and I know they're targeting that that Portland number, right? Over 21, 22,000 people for the first game with the Pride, mm. uh, and I think from theirs is where we'll see if they encapsulate the crowd. Uh, they're going to have to see what the Orlando Pride product looks like, right? If they if they win off the bat and it's an enjoyable experience for the town, um, you can really see this type of uh, this type of town, uh, you know grabbing onto that and riding the entire season. But uh, if the product's not good, um, it's just like anything else. You'll see it ebb in, in vain with uh, with the season as it goes by. But it looks like right now, you know, it, it's been a little quiet buildup compared to Orlando City, of course, uh, their inaugural season. Um, but expect it to ramp up over the next couple weeks and, and really get some things going. Andrew, there's, there seems like it, Tom Sermani's put together a roster that's just unbelievable in terms of talent but how long do you think it will take this collection of players to start playing like a team i think you know that that's a good question because you've got so many people who are already international teammates you know we basically got two by two of a lot of players you know so we've almost got a noah's Ark kind of system going where they at least know one of the player on the team that they can kind of work with and gel with and get that chemistry already going but how do you mesh all of those systems together i think you know it could be very similar to the start of the season um for orlando city's inaugural season but i feel like 
the women's game is that little bit more different. You can get those more opportunities. You can play a bit more of a cerebral game. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't expect it to take very long. I think a lot of these ladies spend so much time playing each other that it's a little bit easier to know everybody's game and know everybody's strengths and know people's weaknesses and be able to deal with those a lot better. And also, it's just more of a team game sometimes for women's soccer. They're all about playing together. Whereas sometimes in men's game, it's very much the individual who has it. Um, I don't expect it to take too long, and I think Samani will have already tried to address that with the group of players that he's brought in. Daniel, is this team deep enough to withstand some of these international breaks? Uh, you know, there's going to be some players leaving, a couple from Australia, at least one from Canada, maybe two. You never know with, with Kaylin Kyle. She she seems to be out of favor now with the Canadian national team, but you never know. They could, they could could An injury could change that in a heartbeat. A um, couple of Americans, uh, obviously a Brazilian. Um, you know, what, are, what do you think? And, and let's not also forget that, uh, you know, first-round pick Sam Wittemann, has been playing with the U.S. youth national team. So, uh, you know, the, those international breaks aren't just about the senior teams. Um, you know, can this team, is this team deep enough to withstand some of those uh, games without their star players? You know, that, that's kind of an issue across uh, NWSL right now is is the, the league's not necessarily deep enough to withstand the, the type of, of drop-off from uh, those international players whenever they leave, especially for the Olympics this summer. And we have... Australia just uh, made it into the Olympics. I mean, uh, congrats to them, but, you know, bad on our part when you're looking at uh, two of our possible players, you know, leaving in the summer on top of uh, our U.S. nationals that you talk to are Canadians or Brazilians. Um, the issue there is going to be how much time do they miss, right? If if the period that they get taken is three, three weeks or four weeks for a camp before uh, the Olympics start, then they're going to miss a, a good chunk of time. They're going to miss a few matches and this team right now, uh, with the type of players that we see in camp, uh, outside of those those you know the starting eleven and the the couple on the bench that had some uh, play experience at, at high levels, a lot of college players. I mean that drop off is going to be pretty intense for for the pride, and but it's going to be across the league too, right? Uh, I mean every mm-hmm. team has is going to have to deal with the same issue. The problem with us is the players that are leaving um, are, are you know really up top goal scorers in, in the spine of your team. But the, the good thing also is that uh, England uh, is not in that. So Sanderson uh, is going to be able to play for the pride during that period. Um, and we'll still have a, a little bit of punch up there. But um, NWSL has that issue across the board. Maybe the pride may have it a bit more because we have so many internationals, but every team's going to mm-hmm. have to deal with that break. Well, you guys don't want to hear about us babble about the NWSL and the Orlando Pride. So we're going to bring in our guests now and uh, let them do it for us. Okay, well, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, very excited to have Orlando Pride's own Leanne Sanderson joining us. Uh, Leanne, how are you tonight? I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. I'm thrilled to be in Orlando. I'm kind of this is my first. Well, we're happy to have you. Obviously, uh, training camp, preseason camp opened this week. And I guess my first question that I wanted to ask you is, is you know, how has it been, uh, you know, these first few days under Tom Sermani? And, and, you know, what do you see or how do you see this team shaping up before some of the internationals are even, uh, you know, in camp? Yeah, I think... Um, I arrived in camp around, uh, this will be my second week now. A few of the girls got here a little bit earlier so that we could kind of come in and get things done, kind of figure out the apartment situation and things like that, kind of get acclimatized to being here. Acclimatized to the weather, I would say, but I think that's going to take a little while. Um, but I'm not complaining about the weather. It's been brilliant so far. And I'm really enjoying working on the top. It's only been three days, but at the same time, I've had good kind of clear communication with him, and that's what I like. And he really is excited to have me here as I'm excited to play for this organization and being Phil, the owner and his wife Kay and their family and stuff like that. We've already had a couple of different events with the guys team and it's been brilliant so far and I can't speak highly enough for where the organization has been so far. It's been absolutely fantastic and having come from a team like an organization like Portland and having played at Arsenal for so many years, um, obviously my standards have been, I've been very lucky and fortunate to be part of some great, fantastic companies, franchises I would say, not companies. Um, so it's been brilliant so far, and I hope it continues to kick on. And when the international girls come in from the um, Chiba Leaves Cup and the girls that have been in their Olympic qualifying, and 
stuff like that. Hopefully they can add to, which they will, add to what we already have. But things are going well so far, and I think as kind of pre-season progresses on, it will continue to grow and grow every single day. But for me, being able to be here and playing this amazing city and with amazing fans and the welcome they gave me so far has been brilliant. So I hope it continues. Yeah, and Leanne, speaking to, you know, the NWSL a little bit, I mean, this is not your first time starting a new club. I mean, you did that with Philadelphia Independence back in 2010, uh, and then you went on to, to Boston and, and Portland. Uh, can you speak to, you know, some of the difficulties whenever you do start an expansion like that, like the Orlando Pride, and also some of the, the cultural differences that you see across those different uh, NWSL clubs that you've played for? Yeah, I think obviously being an expansion team, I think um – there are some slight things that happen at the beginning. I mean, it's like kind of starting a new school. You know what I mean? You never know until you've tried it. You don't know about mistakes until you've made mistakes. But from what I've seen so far, Orlando's a fantastic franchise, a fantastic organization, and they treat us exactly the same way as the men are treated. And a lot of organizations say that, um, but they don't actually do that. So I've been really happy with the way things have gone so far. And like I said, I hope it continues. Um, and when I played for other teams in the NWSL, it's a very different league to what the WPS was like. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be drafted to the Philadelphia Independence in 2010-2011 season. And the difference, obviously, is there's obviously there was obviously a lot more money in the WPS. Um, a lot, kind of, yeah, there was, I mean, it was a massively competitive league. And I think, as I've played in this league now for being my third year, I think I see things progressing in the way that I would like. I still think there needs to be kind of more progression and more protection for the non-kind of national team players. Um, and even though I play for England, I'm talking about the girls that are in the league that kind of have six months off and six months on. And I think kind of going forward, I think if we can help create a situation where people could be paid full-time all year round, I think that would definitely help the league in progression forward. So I think it's great with the way the league is going, and I think I hope it continues. But I think my kind of aim and objective would be to have everybody kind of on a similar, similar level where they can kind of invest all their time into training the league. And a lot of these girls give up a lot of their time and their kind of money, I would say, to be in this, it's to play in this league because they love playing soccer so much. And I hope that in the future we can see kind of a lot more girls getting involved as there have been. And I think hopefully people can progress on and it can continue to grow. But I think there's still a few things that need to be sorted out in different teams in the league. But I've been quite fortunate to be part of really good franchises. But I just hope, I wish that every team had, there wasn't such kind of a gap between teams and the franchises. You know, Leanne, one of the... It's more to do with kind of the way things are run in different teams. And that's not me throwing kind of saying things are this team, that this team did. But just from my experience, like I said, I've been fortunate enough to be part of a lot of really good franchises. But in the league, that kind of could do with a little bit more work. And I've been very lucky... So I'm in Orlando, and like I said, from what I've seen, it's been a fantastic organization. You know, Leanne, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was um, you had a very interesting uh, European loan spell uh, over the offseason for, for NWSL. And why don't you tell us a little bit about you know where you played and, and what it was like to play there? Yeah, I mean, for me, I can't take a long period of time out of playing soccer. I go, I, I go crazy if I don't. I eat sleep free <laughs> soccer. I watch it every day, all day, every day. Um, so for me, I have to, it's important for me to keep playing, but it's also important for me to be happy. And I think for myself, I was able to go to Cyprus about three years ago to play in the Champions League with around 10 other Americans and kind of, it was brilliant. It was an amazing experience. You get to live on the beach, you get to play football every day um, and live the lifestyle that you kind of would love to, to live. And I feel like I'm literally living my dream every single day. And for me, I play better and feel better when I'm in a climate that's nicer and the sun shining, and that hence the fact that I love to play overseas, and I love America so much, because I know sometimes on the East Coast it's kind of cold, but that's not saying I can't mm -hmm. play in cold weather, because I'm from England, you know how it is. But <laughs> at the same time, I love being in places where I'm happy, and my happiness is a really important part of my life, as, a, as it is a lot of people, but for me, if I feel happy off the field, I feel happy on the field. So, I had a lot of opportunities to go other places in Europe, but for me, like, to go somewhere where I'm appreciated and feel like people respect me, and I can just get on with what I need to do. That, to me, is an important thing because there's a lot of players that go overseas that have not so great experiences and there's some players that have great experiences. And for me, I, I know where I like to play. I know where I like to go. So that's what I'm going to continue to kind of do. Not saying necessarily this year, but the experience I've had in Cyprus has been, has been brilliant as a lifestyle perspective. 
Yeah, and, and, and talking that type of lifestyle, right? Orlando's, uh, uh, I guess, a bit like Portland, or some people like to, to fashion the cities kind of the same way outside of just the weather, the culture. Um, a, a little laid back of a city if you're in the downtown area. Have you got to uh, spend a little time uh, going around Orlando, finding your favorite spots yet, and uh, and understanding a little bit more about the city and the, the, the city you're going to be representing? Yeah, um, for me, it's very important to invest myself and grow myself in the city. And I kind of have done that in the first week of being here. I mean, it's kind of difficult when you've got a lot. Of, I mean, training is the first priority. Um, the pre-season is the priority. And a lot of time during the sessions, we kind of just relax. And all I do is take naps during the day because I'm so tired from training. And I wouldn't <laughs> want it any other way. But I've been lucky. Like, I've been downtown a couple of times. I found some cool. I love bubble tea. Like, bubble tea is my favorite thing. So we found a really cool place downtown for that. Um, there's beautiful lakes around. We had an event with the Met, the guys the other day that was downtown. Um, I forget the name of the, the, the bar now, but it was a really cool event to be kind of interacting with all the, the guy players, the academy, and just to kind of get a feel for the city. Um, but yeah, I've had a great time. I found a couple of cool Mediterranean restaurants downtown, which I love. Um, so that was cool. So yeah, I mean, a lot of people have kind of noticed the team around. I'm on the back of cars. You see a lot of uh, logos and the badges and the magnets and things like that. And that's really cool to see the amount of people that know about the team and it makes you really excited to be here. I mean, I was excited anyway and after going to the home opener today, it was just a magnificent atmosphere and I just, it gave me the chills of being here so I just can't wait to finally be able to kind of in a month's time or so take the field and represent a beautiful team. You know, um, obviously it's early days, Leanne, and, and, you know, just a few days into camp, but I'm sure you had some conversations with Tom Sermani. Uh, what can you tell us about what you think your role might be in in his system yeah i mean i knew tom from before i haven't played under tom but from when kind of i was in talks of moving to teams he was really interested in me and that made me feel kind of good to feel wanted and for him to really want me on his team that made me feel good like i said um from what i've from my conversation with tom um my position on the team will be anywhere on the front but predominantly in the midfield so kind of in the withdrawn role from the strikers. So that's where kind of I've earned that spot, but that's where they predominantly like brought me into play. And, and that's my best position, in my opinion. My most amazing experiences have come from playing in that position when I've been in America in the number 10 spot when I've got most of my assists and most of my goals have been coming from deep. So that's the position I actually prefer playing in. And I get just as much out of assisting players than I do scoring. So I think, um, and having played with Alex in Portland for the brief spell that we did, um, I thought I'd be connected really, really well. So I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to that going forward too. But I'll play anywhere the coach wants me to play. And I know a lot of people say that, but I just want to win. And I'll help the team any way that I can. And that's on and off the field. I think my role on this team as well as a leader um, is quite important. And I'm just kind of trying to lead by example with my, my play. And kind of if anyone needs to have any advice, any of the, the girls that have been drafted in or the girls that are trying out, I'm, I'm always, my door's always open and I sit back to them. So for me, my soccer is important, but it's just as important being a good teammate as well. And I've, I've really enjoyed my time so far. And the fact that the girls have come and approached me and kind of asked me for advice because I've been playing professional soccer since I was 14, you know. So I have a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm just really excited to, to finally kind of be here and um, for things to kind of calm down a little bit and for us to kind of get some structure and some rhythm in training. But I think so far it's been brilliant. The girls have been really energetic, completely professional. Um, a lot of nerves kind of on the first day. I mean, even I get nervous um, starting a new team, and I've been in this game for a very long time, so I think it's natural to be nervous. But I think if the older players and the more senior players can help the younger players and the new players in any way that we can, I think we're going to need to do that because it's a team sport. Well, well Leanne, earlier actually uh, I went to a Pride event uh, that they were having, and i got to say a lot of people were excited uh, to see you on the field and the product that you bring because you do have that offensive mentality. But I spoke to Tom for a moment, and, he wanted me to ask you, considering you've never played for him before, how's it going to be for a player like yourself from uh, the greater London area in England, uh, stepping on the field and representing a, a, a Scottish coach? <laughs> it's funny you should say that, but this is the kind of, it's funny because not a lot of people in America know about that kind of rivalry. But at the same time, it's more to do with history and things like that. I mean, for me, Tom is a good guy. And I think at this point in my career, I want to play for somebody that, has good man management skills because that's lacking a lot in in the women's game where coaches kind of don't have the, the man management that you need and the open communication and I think from Tom 
from what I've seen and from my conversations with him on the phone. Very laid back guy, very approachable, and kind of he's here, here to help. And I think that's important sometimes. Um, different people at different stages of their career. Some people need to be kind of coached, and some people need to be taught, taught a lot more. I, I love to learn. I, I will learn every single day I'm here. But I think I want to play for a coach at this point in my career that kind of just lets me be, but at the same time can tell me anything that needs to tell me, good or bad. Um, hopefully, most security will be. But um, I like to have open communication and kind of know that a coach really wants me to play. And that's not saying that I need a coach to tell me how great I am, but to feel that you are wanted is a nice feeling. And I think for any player to feel that way, they're excited to play. So for me, there's no one of all three between me and Tom because he's from Scotland. I don't even look at him like that. <laughs> I'm still I'm still trying to wait for somebody to make me feel like I'm wanted. Actually, um, <laughs> Leanne, before we let you go, one one last one last question for you. Um, you know, everybody knows about the Alex Morgans and the Steph Catleys and the Kaylin Kyles and the Ashlyn Harris's. Who are some of the young players that you've you've been with the first few days of training camp that have stood out to you and, and surprised you and, and you think might uh, you know make a name for themselves with the Orlando Pride? That's a really good question. Um, I think, I mean, I don't want to dig out necessarily any individual names at this point because I think that would be kind of wrong of me to do, but I think I'm all for giving praise where credit where it's due. And I think there's a lot of the girls that have come in, and especially the rookies, I've been really, really impressed by their attitude and their willingness to kind of invest themselves in the team and kind of just really be enjoy it. And I think for, for me, a lot of the girls are coming to camp and they're really excited to be here. And you can see that. I mean, I've never played with um, Sarah Hayden before, and I'm really excited to play with her because you can tell from kind of just playing with her for a couple of days that she's a, an out-and-out soccer player. She's a play, and she's kind of a bit selfless, like me, as in, like, we'll give the ball when you want it, but the right kind of weight on the pass. So I'd say for me, I think people like Sarah Hayden and Jeff Spencer, who I've played with before, I'm excited to play with everybody on the team, but these are the kind of players that I didn't really care. I wasn't. I haven't played with Sarah before, but just from the first couple of days, I've been kind of impressed by her attitude and, and the way she's played. So, but I think, like I said, a lot of the girls have come in. Everybody's kind of fighting from spots already, whether that means mm-hmm. people trying out, people trying places on the, the starting 11. It depends. I mean, just because I've played for however long now and I think I've got a good reputation doesn't mean I'm coming and expecting to start, you know? I think I have to earn my spot as does everybody else. And I think hopefully... Um, as things progress on in pre-season, we can kind of get more of a so our first uh, pre-season game is Saturday, so we can kind of get a little bit more out of the games and kind of get things more settled as things go on, you know, because it's the beginning of pre-season. So when you're asking me these questions, I don't know all the answers because I've only been with the girls for three days, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to play with a lot of the girls and just people that can play soccer, you know, Becky Edwards, people like that. Jimmy uh, has got a really good attitude. Camille... Um, Levin is a really good player so a lot of the girls are very athletic and I think hopefully I can add to that by my soccer knowledge and my technical ability you know because I'm not like the fastest player in the world but I'm not the slowest player in the world but usually <laughs> I just kind of like to get the ball down and play you know and that's kind of what I think I could bring to the team is my technical ability and be able to create opportunities for the team and I appreciate I really do appreciate the girls athleticism because I was saying um, to a couple of the girls that they're so feisty and they're so tenacious, you know, and it's great to see their willingness to want to win the ball back and stuff like that, but at the same time, you have to be kind of calm, so I think hopefully I'm that calming influence on the team and as the other girls come into camp Alex and Ashford and Steph and those kind of players um, who I've played with before, some, a couple of them, they can hopefully add to that as well with kind of calming everybody down all right, well, Leanna Sanderson, thank you so much for joining us on the Mainland Podcast. Best of luck to you and Orlando Pride this inaugural NWSL thank season. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Anytime. Well, it'll just about do it for another uh, Mainland Podcast. We really want to thank our guest, Leanne Sanderson of the Orlando Pride, for coming on and, and telling us about the you know, the goings on at uh, preseason camp and, and her outlook on the season. Uh, before we get out of here, guys, I want to get your New York City FC Friday night predictions. Your, what do you, how do you think this is going to unfold? We'll start with you, Andrew. Um, key matchup and your, your game prediction. Well, obviously, key matchup is Kyle Lahren against the center backs. Can he continue his scoring feat of New York, New Jersey, and always bagging those hat tricks? Um, 
I'm going to say no. I think Vieira's just managed to really come in and make such a difference this off-season already. Um, I think they're a different team than what we saw last year. And I am probably going to get killed on Twitter for this, but I think we lose 3-0. Wow, wow, 3-0. Okay, well... (laughs) Daniel, Daniel, what is your key matchup for the game, and, and you know how do you see it unfolding? Uh, well, it depends on what they do this game. Uh, I don't see them going three in the back like they did last New York, that is. Uh, but Pirlo and Nocerino, uh, I'm going to like to see that. Pirlo likes to, to lay a bit deep, and Nocerino is playing a little bit further up the pitch, and uh, expect him to do that with New York and try to put uh, his staple on the game. I'm going to like to see those two players battle out in the midfield. Uh, and I'm going to be a little more upbeat. Uh, than Andrew, and I'm going to go with 2-2. Uh, and I do say Kevin Molino gets his first MLS goal, and Kyle Lahren keeps his streak going as well. All right. Uh, key matchup for me is going to be David Villa against the Orlando City back line. Uh, they lost track of him quite a bit last year. Uh, I think that he is too dangerous a guy to let just roam free. Um, I don't see a Kyle Lahren hat trick, but maybe he gets a brace, and I'm going to say... I, I hate to say it, but I think New York City, number one, they're playing really good right now. I think they're playing uh, better offensive soccer than they played last year. They're scoring goals. They're playing at home in that damn baseball field, <laughs> which Orlando City has not done well on baseball fields over the last year. And I, because I think the lack of width to the field hurts Orlando City's game and the way the style that they like to play. So I'm going to say I hate to give up this many goals, but I'm say 3-2 to the bad guys, and Orlando City comes home. And, and takes it out on Portland. Oh, I like that. So, I like that philosophy. <laughs> so, uh, but that'll do it uh, for us here at the Mainland Podcast. Please visit us at themainland.com. It's M-A-N-E, not M-A-I-N. And also uh, follow us on Twitter at the Mainland Again, M-A-N-E instead of M-A-I-N. And also you can like us on Facebook. We, we would really appreciate if you liked us on Facebook. And uh, so just look up the Mainland on Facebook and uh, give us a like, if you will. And uh, we will see you on the social media. We'll see you on our website. We'll see you next week with an all-new Mainland podcast uh, for Andrew Harrison and uh, our good friend Daniel McGann. I am Michael Citro saying, Go City! <laughs>